Ashley Black Rain, Nora Roberts' book, Chesapeake Blue, Chapter 10. Aubrey stewed about it, picked it apart, and put it together again. And the more she fumed and fiddled, the madder she got. Temper made it very clear in her mind that Drusilla Whitcomb Banks needed a come-to-Jesus talk, and Aubrey Quinn was just the one to give it to her. Since she and Seth had made a pact, she couldn't convince her mother, her father, she couldn't go buy some bills and ask her some sort of psychological evaluation of the thing, and she couldn't go to Anna just to spew out her annoyance and resentment. So built layer by layer, and so she worked up quite ahead of steam by the time she left the boatyard at 5 o'clock. She practiced what she intended to say as she drove into town, the cool, the controlled, the keen-edged slice of words that would cut little Miss Perfect down to size. No one got away with making Seth unhappy. <sighs> Messed with one queen, she thought as she scooted her pickup into a space of the curb. Messed with them all. In her work boots, dirty t-shirt, and well-sprung jeans, she marched in bud and bloom. Yeah, she was perfect, all right, Aubrey thought, in a bit down on her airy wild drew wrapped a bunch of daisies for Carl Wiggins. Carla Wiggins, just perfect in her pink silk blouse and wood nymphed hair. The slacks were stone gray and fluid, probably silk too. Aubrey thought, annoyed with herself for admitting the classy, casual look. Drew's gaze shifted up and over as the door opened. What well, might have been polite, warm children's a caution when Aubrey glared at her. At least that was something. Carla bounced and glowered her. Hi, Aubrey. There was some game yesterday. Everybody's talking about your home run. Bases loaded, said Drew. I've knocked the rockfish out of the water. Really? Drew had heard the same a half dozen times already that day. Congratulations. I swing the score. <laughs> I about had a heart attack when that bell flew. flew. Carla patted her tiny little breast to demonstrate. Jet's still flying. He got walked, she said to Drew, to load the bases before Aubrey came to bat. Anyway, I'm cooking dinner for his parents tonight. Talk about the wedding plans some more, and then... There I was running around straightening the place up. I took a half a day off work and it hit me. I didn't have any flowers for a centerpiece. It's going to be spaghetti and meatballs. That's Jed's favorite. Just fun and cheerful, you know. So Drew said daisies would be nice in the red vase I've got. What do you think? Aubrey looked at the floaters, moved hand. They're pretty, friendly, I guess. Kind of simple and sweet. That's it. That's ex just exactly right. Carla fussed with her blonde hair. I don't know why I got so nervous. I've known Judd's folks all my life. It's just different now that we're getting married in December. So, Drew, my collars are going to be midnight blue and silver. I didn't want to go with the red and green, you know, but wanted to keep it Christmassy and festive. Do you really think those colors will work? Claire chewed on her lip as she looked back through where the flowers and all beautifully. The warmth came back in Drew's face. Festive, as you say, and romantic too. I'm going to put some ideas together. Then you and your mother and I will go over everything. Don't worry about a thing. Oh, I can't help it. I'll drive everyone crazy before December. I've got to run. They'll be coming about in an hour. Have a nice evening, Drew said. Thanks. See you later, Robert. Yeah. Hi to Jed. The door closed behind Carla as the bells on it stopped ringing. The sheriff had filled the shop, faded. I don't think you're in the market for flowers, you fold her hands. What can I do for you? You can stop screwing with Seth's brain and put me in the role of another woman. Actually, I was worried that was my role, and I didn't care for it. All the cool, controlled, keen-edged words that Aubrey had practiced flew out of her head. What's the hell wrong with you? Do you think Seth would be poking at you if he were interested in someone else? Poking at? Aubrey Hunter. Family phrase, she murmured. What do you take him for? He'd never move on you if he was moving on someone else. He's not like that. And if you don't already know it, you're stupid. Call me stupid is going to end this conversation before it gets started. So is punching you in the nose. Drew lifted her chin. Aubrey gave her points for it. For the deserve 
Device turn. Is that how you solve your disagreements? Sometimes it's quick. Aubrey Shorty. And I owe it to you for the buxom blonde and black remark. Drew winced, but she kept her voice even. A stupid comment doesn't make me stupid, but it was uncalled for and ill-advised. I apologize for it. Suppose you'd never have something pop out of your mouth that you instantly regret it? All the time, Aubrey said cheerfully now. Apology accepted, but it doesn't cover the bases regarding Seth. You messed with his head and you made him unhappy. That's worth a hell of a lot more than a punch in the nose from where I stand. And it wasn't my intention to do either. She felt a flare of guilt. She had no trouble making him mad, but she'd never meant to make him unhappy. Still, she'd done what she thought right for everyone. I won't be a game piece to a man, even if he—I won't be a game piece to a man, even if he doesn't realize that's what he's making me. I've seen the two of you together. I saw the way you looked at me yesterday when I came into the boatyard. I'm standing right here now with you jumping down my throat because of what you are to each other. You want to know what we are to each other? Brought up again, Aubrey leaned on the ground. We're family, and if you don't know, family loves each other and sticks up for each other and worries when one of them looks to be getting a deep where he doesn't belong, then I'm sorry for you. If the way I look at you makes you unhappy, too bad. I'm going to keep right on looking at you because I'm not sure you're good for him. Neither am I. Drew said calmly and stopped Aubrey in her met tracks. <laughs> there we have a point of agreement. I just don't get you, Aubrey admitted. But I get Seth. He already cares about you. I've known him. I don't remember ever not knowing him. And I can't see it, see it when he's gone soft on someone. You hurt him yesterday, and I can't stand to see him hurting. Drew looked down, saw that her hands were gripping the counter, deliberately shrugged. Let me ask you something. If you found yourself getting involved with a man at a point in your life where it's really the last thing you want, but it's happening anyway, and you see that the man has a relationship with another woman, a relatively attractive, vibrant, interesting woman, that you can't define, all you see is that it's special and it's intimate and beyond your scope. How would you feel? Aubrey opened her mouth, shut it again. Should have taken another moment before she answered. I don't know. Damn it. Damn it. Drew, I love him. I love him so much that when he was in Europe, it was like a piece of me was missing. But it's not sexual or romantic or anything like that. He's my best friend. He's my brother. He's my Seth. I never had a best friend or a brother. My family doesn't have the vitality of yours. Maybe that's why it's hard for me to understand. You haven't got a clue if you'd seen the two of us crackling up after kissing yesterday. Obviously, that's Seth for you. You planted the seat, and so he worries over it. Picks at it. Gee, and I screw. Am I screwing around with her? Am I messing up people I care about? How can I fix it? So he tracks me down and gives me the big picture. Tells me he needs to kiss me. A real guy, smackaroo. So we can make sure there's nothing going on in that direction. Oh, God. Drew closed words. And he did see that was insulting you? Nope. Surprised and rather pleased Drew had seen that angle. I really more companionly on the counter. I didn't let it bother me. The way... That way, because he was so stupid about the whole thing, so worried and flustered, so we had our little experiment. He gets major points in the lip lock department. He knows how to kiss. Yes, he does. There was relief all around, because the earth did not move. It didn't even tremble. Then we laughed ourselves silly, and we're fine. I was going to tell you, I wasn't going to tell you that part. Abby added, I thought letting it hang would make you suffer more. But since you said I was attractive and vibrant and interesting, I'm cutting you a break. Thanks, and I'm sorry. It was beginning to Drew drawed off sugar. Never mind. We've come this far, don't hold back now. She started to shake her head again. Then realized that was one of her flaws. She held back. Alright. What's happening between Seth and me was beginning to worry me a little. I had someone I cared about very much cheat on me. I started to see myself as that woman with some sympathy for her position. I didn't want to have any sympathy for her. I preferred despising her. Well sure. Nothing could have been clear to Aubrey's way of thinking. You can relax. The field's all yours. Are we square on that? 
Yes, yes we are. I appreciate you coming in to talk to me and not punch me. Punching you wouldn't would have pissed off Seth. Not to mention my parents, so it's just as well. I guess I better get going. Aubrey, it was always a terrifying thing. Aubrey, it was always a terrifying thing for Drew to go with an impulse. I don't make friends easily. It's not one of my skills. I'm terrific at making acquaintances at social, small talk, and casual conversation, but I don't have many friends. She took it longer. <sighs> I'm gonna close a little early today. I'll take it'll take me a few minutes to close out and lock up. Are you in a, in a hurry, or would you like to have a drink? Seth was a goner. Aubrey realized never held hold out against those hints of vulnerability. He need hide under the polish. Got any good wine at your place? Yes, I do. I'll swing by home, grab a shower, shower, meet you there. From a studio window, Seth watched Aubrey stride back out to her truck. He'd seen her stride in nearly half an hour before and thought he'd had. Been able to see her face. He'd read her body language clearly. She'd been ready to brawl. He hadn't gone down till he'd seen Gloria and locked that entire business back in his middle vault. He was keeping a distance from his family. When he listened for the sounds of shouts or breaking glass, if it had come to that, he'd have run down to pull them apart. But it hadn't come to that. He noted as Aubrey jumbled nimbly into the cab of her truck and zipped off without any indication of temper. One less worry, he supposed, as he walked into the kitchen to look at the clock on the stove. Little more than five hours left to obsess, he thought. Then he'd meet Gloria, give her the cash he'd withdrawn from his account, and get back to his life. Drew had barely walked through the door when Aubrey pulled in the drive. He gave her no time to fuss with the crackers and cheese he planned to set out or to wash the fat purple grapes she picked up on the way home. However casual the invite, she was accustomed to entertaining in a certain way. That certain way wasn't having her guests walk in, push a brown bag into her hand, and then look around and whistle. Cool. Front page. House and garden. She sent you a cheeky grin. That wasn't really a dig. Man, my mother would love this. She's been itching to get a look at the inside. You got a cleaning service? Aubrey asked, smooth a finger over tablecloth. No dust. No, it's just me, and I don't ought to. Working women, working women, and blah, blah. Mom can give you the whole pitch. Big place. Aubrey began to wander without invitation. Drew stood holding the back. I want a big one when I get on my own. Rattle around a bit, you know. Change from living with what feels like a million people sometimes. Then I'll be lonely and miss them and spend half my time at the house anyway. She looked at high ceilings. She commented. Must cost you some heat. Some heat, this place in the winter. Would you like to see the bill? Sue said dryly he made her laugh. Maybe later. I'd rather have wine. Oh, those are cookies in the bag. Mom baked some yesterday. Double chocolate chip. Awesome. Kitchen this way? Yes, you sighed and followed. Tried to try to go with the flow. Nancy neat, aren't you? Aubrey sat up. Drew one glance and opened the back door. Man, this is great. It's like your own little island. Do you ever get spooked out here all alone, city girl? No, I thought I might. Drew said it. Said as she set the bag on the counter, got out a bottle of Pondegrajo. But I don't. I like listening to the water and the birds and the wind. I like being here. I don't want. I don't want the city. And I realized the first morning I woke up here in the quiet with the sun coming in the windows. I never did. Other people wanted it for me. She poured the wine. Do you want to sit out on the patio? That'll be good. I'll bring the cookies. So they had tart white wine and a fat filled cookies while the sun slid slowly down behind the trees. Oh, Aubrey swallowed a mouthful. I should tell you. So then I made a pact not to tell anybody about that big experiment. The oh, don't. I don't figure you count since it was your idea, sort of. But since I spilled it, I'd either got to kill you or you have to swear not to tell anybody. Does this oath involve my blood in any way? I usually do it with spit. Drew thought about it for two seconds. I'd rather not involve any body fluids. Is my word good enough? Yeah, Aubrey picked up another gun. People like you keep your word. 
people like me? Yeah, breeding. She said with a bread, broad wave of her hand. You're a fucking purebred. I'll sure, I'll sure. I'll assume that's a compliment of some sort. Sure. You got this? Sure. You got this. I'm much too cultured and well-bred to make any issues of it, Air. You always look perfect. I admire that even when I hated it. It's not like you're all fussy and girly and stuff. You just look, you always look good. I'll be stopped. Mouthful. Oh, hey, listen. I'm not coming on to you or anything. I like guys. Oh, I see. Then I suppose there's no point in us having a big experiment of our own. After two long beats, Drew's laughter burst out. She had to lean back on her sides as they ached from the force of it. Your face? Priceless. It's the first time I've ever seen you speechless. That was good. Nothing, not in improvement. Y'all been picked up for one. That was damn good. I might just like you after all. So are you gonna talk to Seth out of the water, out of the watercolor portrait when he's finished? I don't know. Would he finish it? She wondered, or was he too angry with her to see her as he had? No, he finished. She decided the artist would have no choice. If it were me, I would have went out of him. I think I'd feel strange having an opinion of myself hanging on the wall. Besides, I haven't seen it. He's too angry to let me. Yeah, he gets all tight ass when he's mad. Okay. Here's a tip. Watching Drew. I'll be resting your elbows on the table. You don't want to cry. What you want to do is bravely battle back tears. You know, so your eyes get all shiny and wet and your lip quivers a little. Hold on. She leaned back again, closed her eyes, took a couple deep breaths, then she opened them again, stared at Drew with a kind of wide-eyed, pitiful expression. Serious woman her eyes. My God, she moaned at her. That's really good. In fact, it's brilliant. Tell me. I'll be shifting. You can... You can let one spill over if you have to, but that's it. A single teardrop down your cheek, then she giggled. You start the flood, and he's all about patting your head and stuffing a paint rag or whatever in your hand before he goes into full retreat. Then you blossom. him. But you give him that shimmery eyes, quivering lip deal, and he'll do anything. It destroys him. How did you learn to do that? Hey, I work with guys. I always wipe the single tear off her cheek. You develop your weapons. You can bite the tip of your tongue to get started if you have to. Me, I can turn it on and off. Speaking of guys, why don't you tell me about that creep you were engaged to? Then we can trash him. Jonah, assistant communications director, West Wing staff, a man with the president's ear. Brilliant mind, smooth style, gorgeous face, and a body made for Armani. This isn't making me hate him. Get to the dirt. It's not far under the surface. Washington social circles. My grandfather remains a strong force in Washington, and my family is influential, socially active. We meet at cocktail bottles and things move from there smoothly and a reasonable pace. We enjoyed each other and we liked each other. He had interests in people and philosophies in common. Then I thought we loved each other. It was never anger. She felt what she thought of it, but sadness. Maybe we did. We became lovers. How was he? In the sack. Drew hesitated, then poor more one. She didn't discuss this sort of thing. Then again, she realized she never had anyone who made her feel able to discuss these sorts of things. I'll remain to see music. Well, what the hell? He was good. I thought we were good. But then again, lovers fall into the same category as friends with me. I don't make them easily. Huh, that'll make it hurt more when it gets messed up. I <laughs> pre-offered. Yeah, I guess it does. But I thought Jonah and I were good together in bed and out of it. I was ready when he asked me to marry me. Marry him. We've been moving in that direction and I was prepared. I thought it through. Curious now, Aubrey's sort of told him. If you had to think it through, maybe you weren't in love with him. 
Maybe not. Drew looked away, watching the fluttering flight of butterflies, listening to the quiet hum of a boat motor as someone cruised by him. But I need to think things through. The bigger, the step, the longer, more carefully, I think. I wasn't sure I wanted to be married. My parents' marriage, well, it's not like your parents' marriage, but I felt with Jonah, it would be different. We never quarreled. Never? Pure shock covered off his face. You never had a good shouting fight? No, she smiled a little. Now she realized how dull that would seem to anyone named Quinn. When we disagreed, we discussed. Oh, yeah? That's how we handle things in my family. We discuss our disagreements. We just do it at the top of our lungs. So you and this guy were good in bed. You didn't fight, and you had a lot in common. What happened? We got engaged. We had a round of parties, and we began making plans for the wedding set for the following summer, July, because that was most convenient for our schedules. He was busy with work, and I was busy letting my mother drag me around to bridal shows. We house-hunted Jonah and me, my mother and me, my father and me. <laughs> That's a lot of hunting. You have no idea. Then one night, we were at his apartment. We went to bed. While we were making love, I kept feeling something scrape at the small of my back. Everything I had... Eventually, I had to stop. It was funny, really. I made a joke out of it. Then when we turned on the lights and I went over the sheets, came up with another woman's earring. Oh, oh, her face was some ouch. I even recognized it. I'd seen her wearing them at some event or another. I admired them, commented on them, which is probably why she made sure to leave it there, where I'd find it at the worst possible moment. Bitch! Oh, yes, Drew lifted her glass and a half toast. Oh, yes, indeed. But she loved him, and that was a discreet and surefire way to get me out of the picture. No excuses, Aubrey referenced. She was trespassing on another woman's man. Even if the man wasn't worth jack shit, she was sneaky as he was, and just as guilty. You're right. No excuses. They deserve each other. Damn straight. So did you tie his dick in a knot? What? Drew let out a long sigh. God, I wish I could be you. I wish I could even for one single day. No, I got up and I got dressed while he started making excuses. He loved me. This other thing was just physical. Didn't mean anything. Christ, disgust was ripped in her voice. Can't they ever come up with something original? Not in my experience. The instant unqualified sympathy and supporty some of the raw news she still carried over he had needs, sexual needs, that I was just too restrained to meet. He just wanted to get it out of his system before settling down. Basically, he said that if I'd been hotter, more responsive, or creative in bed, he wouldn't have had to look elsewhere for that kind of satisfaction. And yet he lives, I'll remember. You let him turn the thing around on you instead of cutting off his balls and hanging them on his ears? I wasn't. I wasn't a complete doormat, Drew objected, told her about the symptomatic stretch of Jonah's prized possessions. Nuke the CDs, that's a good one. I feel better now. Just as I suggested, instead of cutting up his cashmere coat, I'd have filled the pockets with, oh, I don't know, say a nice mixture of raw eggs, motorola, a little flour, thickening it up, maybe a hint of garlic, all easily accessible household items. Then I'd folded it up, really neat, with the pockets to the inside. Wouldn't he have been surprised when he pulled it out of the box? I'll keep that in mind, should the occasion ever come up again. Okay, but I really like the CDs, and a bit with the shoes. If the guy was anything like Philip about his shoes, that one really hurt. What do you say we take a walk, work off some of these cookies, then we could order some Chinese? It wasn't you realize so hard to make a friend after all. That sounds terrific. 
The diner was lit like a runway, and business wasn't exactly booming. Seth sat on the sun-faded red vinyl of the booth in the very back. Gloria wasn't there. She would be late. She always came late. It was, he knew, just another way for her to show she had the upper hand. He ordered coffee, knowing he wouldn't drink it, but he needed the prop. The 10000 in cash was in an old canvas bag on the seat beside him. There was a man with shoulders wide as Montana, sitting on a stool at the counter. His neck was red from the sun, and his hair shaped so sharp and close it looked as if he could slice bread. He was wearing jeans and the tin... Of tobacco, he must have carried habitually in his pocket, had worn a white circle in the faded denim. He ate apple pie a la mode with the concentration of a surgeon performing a tricky operation. The wailing jelly and stew crooning out of the corner jute suited him right out of the ground. Behind the counter of the waitress were candy pink with her name stitched in white over the ripe rest. She picked up a pot of coffee from the warmer but breezed up the pie eater and stood hip cocked as she topped off his coffee. Seth's fingers itched for his sketch pad. Instead he drew it in his head to pass the time. The counter seemed down in bright primary colors and the couple midway down the line of boots who looked as if they'd been traveling all day and were now worn to nubs. They ate without conversation but at one point the woman passed the man the salt and he gave her hand a quick ski squeeze. He called it he'll call roadside he thought or maybe off route 13. It relaxed him considerably. Pulled all together in his mind. Then Gloria walked in. The painting faded away. She's gone behind. Go. She's gone beyond. Then he could see the sharp bones pressing against the skin, the sides of her throat, the white edged blades of her hips jutting against the tight red pants. She wore open-toed blackless heels that flipped and clicked against her feet in the aged linoleum. Her hair was bleached a blonde that was nearly white, cut short and spiky, and only accidented how thin her face had become. The lines had dug deep around her mouth, around her eyes. The makeup she applied couldn't hide them. Imagine that upset and infuriated her when she looked in the mirror. <laughs> she hadn't yet hit 50, he calculated, but looked as though she'd been dragged face first over it some time before. She slid in across from him, caught a drift of her perfume, something strong and floral. It either hid the smell of whiskey or she held off on drinking before the meeting. Your hair was longer last time, she said, then shifted to flash her teeth at the waitress. What kind of pie you got tonight? Apple, cherry, lemon ring. I have a slice of cherry with vanilla ice cream. How about you, Seth, honey? Her voice, just her voice, said his teeth on edge. No. Suit yourself. You got any chocolate sauce? She asked the waitress. Sure, you want that too? You just dump it over the ice cream. I have coffee too. Well, now. She leaned back, slung one arm over the back of the booth. Skinny as she was, he noted the skin there was starting to sag. Figured you'd stay over in Europe, keep playing with the Italians. Guess you got homesick, and how are all happy quins these days? How's my dear sister, Sibyl? Seth slipped the bag from the seat beside him, watched her focus in on it as he laid it on the table clock top. But when she reached out, he closed his fist around her. You take it and you go. You make a move toward anyone in my family, you'll pay. You'll pay a hell of a lot more than what's in this bag. That's a hell of a way to talk to your mother. His tone never changed. You're not my mother. You never were. Carried you around inside me for nine months, didn't I? I brought you into the world. You owe me. He unzipped the bag to it so she could see the contents. The satisfaction on her face dragged out as well. There's your payment. You stay away from me and mine. Using yours, you and yours. Like, you got something with those assholes. I gave two shits about. Think you're a big shot now, don't you? Think you're something special? You're nothing. Her voice rose enough to have the man at the counter take notes. Noticing the waitress gave them a weary look. Seth rose, took ten dollars out of his wallet, and tossed it on the table. Maybe I am, but I'm still better than you. 
Her hair curled into a claw, but she fisted it, laid it on the table as he walked out. She snatched the bag, tucked it against her hip on the seat. Down payment, she mused, enough to tide her over for a few weeks while she worked out the rests. She wasn't done with Seth, not by a long shot. End of chapter 10